Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. I love that song, actually. I could just keep listening to that song, but uh, we'll stop there for now. So, first of all, I don't know about you, but for me, it is a little bit weird to have music playing on a speaker and us singing along to it. It is, but here's one reason why we do it, despite the fact that I would rather just skip the whole singing thing, okay? Here's why we do it, or one of the reasons why we do it, not the primary reason, okay? Okay. One thing that we've been talking about is celebrating the Reformation. And this is one of the things that the Reformation gave us. And that is congregational singing. And that might sound a little bit crazy because obviously in Acts we see pictures, we see descriptions of what the church is supposed to be doing. In Colossians we see what the church is supposed to be doing. But for about a thousand years of the church's life, they weren't singing. Um, there would be a choir that would sing in response to someone that was standing up to uh, talk about God's word or something related to God's word. Uh, but it was in Latin, just like the reading of the word was in a language that no one understood. And just like the preaching of the word was in a language that no one understood, so was the singing. In fact, congregational singing was such a crazy idea even after the beginning of the Reformation that one Sunday in a Protestant church, the choir started singing a hymn out of nowhere in response to what the preacher just said. And the governor of the town, the mayor, whatever he was, came in and shut it down and said, this might be illegal, we can't be doing this, okay? (laughs) So the fact that we get to stand up together and we get to proclaim the truth of God's word in song is actually a very special thing, and we should be doing that. Um, I'm without a clicker this week, I apologize. So I'm going to be looking at you, I'm going to be looking at here, uh, but I think that we're going to make it through it. So we're back in 1 Peter, right? A letter to hand-picked outsiders, And what is the purpose of this book? You should know it by now, but the purpose of this book is for readers, both the original readers and for us, to be growing in faith and faithfulness all of the time, but especially when they or we are suffering. And there's four big themes that we see in 1 Peter. Suffering, hope, holiness, and Jesus. And this is where all of our focus has been. This is where all of our focus will continue to be. But this week, we have another big idea that I'm going to throw at you, okay? So here's the big idea this week. It's an encouragement. Uh, In fact, it's a command. And that is this. Keep relying on and resting in Jesus. He is our only solid foundation. Keep relying on and resting in Jesus. Because he is our only solid foundation. I'm going to read our passage that we'll be studying together and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer for just a moment. 
So, uh, 2 Peter, starting verse 4, or 1 Peter, chapter 2, starting verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Verse 7, So, so the honor is for you who believe, but... For those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together to study your word, to worship you through the reading of your word, the hearing of it, the preaching of it. Lord, I pray for all of us right now, as Pastor Tom prayed, that your spirit will be assisting us tonight. We need your help over this week and next as we dive headfirst into your word, which is complex. Uh, It can be hard to understand, and it can be deep, uh, deep in ways that uh, we can't even find the words to express everything as well as we would like to. But Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us, that you will be holding our hand and walking us through this passage. Lord, uh, I pray for me right now as we pick up your words today and as we dive deeply into them. God, give me the grace that I need to preach your word well, to proclaim it. God, we will thank you for that. We will thank you for the fruit that you will bring to bear in our lives because of these four verses today. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, let's get started. Verse 4. As you come to him. Okay, time out. Every week, right? The first three words, and I'm already calling time out. As you come to him. Right? Time out, Peter, because I'm pretty sure that we've already come to Jesus. Okay, no, no, no. We're not talking about a come to Jesus moment here. Okay? We're not getting saved again here. But we are coming back to Jesus in the sense that we need to admit that we constantly need to be relying on him. And why do I say that? Uh, If we were to go back just one verse, back to verse 3, this is where we left off, seems like forever ago now. Yeah, it was forever ago. It was four weeks ago now. Um, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And Peter's saying to all the believers here in Asia Minor, what is modern-day Turkey, he's saying to them, uh, look, All of this is true for you. Everything that's come in chapter 1, everything that we've said in chapter 2 is true of you if you have indeed tasted that the Lord is good, if you have experienced Him. And one of the ways that uh, 
Uh, Chapter 2, verse 2 sets it up that we can experience God in a very real way is through his word, through the pure spiritual milk that we receive that um, leads to our salvation. Okay, Um, So here we are, verse 4, as you come to him. That is to say, as you keep coming back to experience God. Uh, we could say it a lot of different ways. That as you keep coming to God through his word, um, when you start seeing the work of his hands in your hardships and in your times of joy, as you continue to understand in a new and deeper way that you have a faith and a future that has been secured for you, it has been kept safe for you, um, as you strive to live the kind of blameless life that Jesus uh, died on your behalf so that you would have, and that the Father already sees you as living, as you keep on coming to that God that you have believed in, um, believed in and that you, you know, and, uh, and back to his son who was rejected, um, Jesus who was rejected even though, as we see here, uh, he was chosen and precious. He was hand-picked and precious. Um, okay, so let's stop there. <laughs> as you keep coming to him. All right? Now, another way that we could look at this, and in the context of what Peter's talking about here, as we're going to see, these four verses are very Jewish. Okay, um, And one of, the, one of the groups of people that got to come close to God on a regular basis are priests, okay? Um, once a year, they would go into the Holy of Holies, but always they would be intervening on behalf of God's people. And so priests are a good picture of going back to the Lord, coming to the Lord, um, offering yourself up to the Lord. Also, we see here that this is continual, this coming to him. Okay, so let's, let's leave that where it is for now. We're going to come back to it in a minute. So as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You know what? There's been three things that have been called precious thus far. And it's not a ring from the Lord of the Rings, okay? <laughs> Even though I, I'm, it's taking everything within me to not talk like that evil-looking little man, Smeagol. Um, there's been three things that have been called precious. Uh, and the first one was in chapter 1, verse 7, and that is, for us, the genuineness of our faith, right? If you'll remember, we have been put through, we are put through various trials, That means varying degrees of stress and pressure and pain, suffering, various trials, so that our faith would be proven to us, right? That is precious to us. Also, the blood of Jesus is precious to us, and that's in chapter 1, verse 19. And then here, Jesus was chosen and precious Now, it's interesting because Peter has also used some other things that were called precious. Silver, gold, right? 
Um, We could talk about diamonds or rubies or any sort of jewel, but here's Jesus. We're going to see he's being described as a giant rock, just a stone that you build something on top of, and he's precious for that reason. Also, we see that Jesus was chosen. Now, this echoes back to something that we've seen before, uh, that we were foreknown by God, right? We were handpicked by God. And who else was foreknown and handpicked as we saw before and we see again? Jesus was foreknown and handpicked. Okay, so let's, let's just draw a connection here for a minute. Um, we are chosen and precious. Jesus is chosen, chosen and precious. And yet, Jesus was rejected. Why should this be comforting to us? Because when Jesus told his disciples at first that he was going to be rejected, this was not a great comfort to him, to them. In fact, this was never seemingly a good comfort to Peter. This upset Peter greatly, right? Peter wanted to take out his sword, he wanted to chop off ears, and he wanted to set up a political kingdom right then and right there, but that was never what was going to happen. Instead, Jesus was going to suffer. But now, as it were, Peter's seeing the light. Why is this important to us as believers? Because we should be suffering. And the believers here are suffering. And they need to know that the one that suffered on their behalf, the one that they are supposed to be like, um, the one that went before them and suffered just like they are suffering now, uh, they need to know that he was chosen and precious just as they are chosen and precious. So Christian, you are chosen and you are precious. Okay? As you suffer, be it in the very small things, some of that which was happening here, or in the very large things, perhaps happening here, definitely happening here to these churches that Peter's writing to, almost 30 years later when Christians and Jews alike are being slaughtered. This should be a great comfort to us as believers. Verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones... Okay, let's stop here for a second, because let's just just review some of the things that Peter has been calling us, okay? He hasn't been calling us names, but he has been calling us things. Uh, First of all, we were like obedient children for coming to the Lord and relying on him and repenting of our sin, okay? We were like obedient children, and we were encouraged to keep being like obedient children, um, and then we were babies, okay? We were breastfeeding babies. <laughs> so, so this is what we're going to see in these next verses and next week as well. Uh, Peter keeps changing metaphors on us, okay? A metaphor is to say that this is like this, that this something is like something else. So us, uh, we're like children, obedient children. Okay, we're also like babies that need to be relied upon God's word to experience him and to grow in him. Um, We're also going to see that uh, just as Jesus is a stone, we're a stone. Okay? We get to be stones just like Jesus. Um, And then we're also going to see that not only are we stones, 
but we're being built up into a building, okay? We're useful stones at that. And then lastly, we get switched from being a stone to a building, back into people, and we're a priesthood. We're priests, all right? So we're really going to have to keep moving quickly, keep our minds moving quickly to keep up with where Peter is taking us. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, a couple things that we're seeing here. The first of which is we don't really know what a living stone is, okay? <laughs> um, it's, it's a very strange thing to describe us as. Um, but just as Jesus is a living stone, so are we living stones. We can say that for right now. Um, another thing that we see here is this term, spiritual sacrifice. Now, Paul and the writer of Hebrews, other places in Scripture, we see this phrase, spiritual sacrifice. Okay, now, what does a priest do on behalf of God's people? He sacrifices, right? He takes an animal, and then he slices its throat, and he bleeds it dry, and then he burns it, okay? <laughs> That's some sacrifices. All right, so are we called to do that as this Royal and holy priesthood? No, not exactly. We're called to give spiritual sacrifices. What are these sacrifices? Well, elsewhere in Scripture, we see um, our bodies are to be spiritual sacrifices. Uh, our money in use for the spread of the good news of Jesus is supposed to be a, a spiritual sacrifice. Um, but also, in Hebrews, we see that our singing is a spiritual sacrifice. Uh, doing good is a spiritual sacrifice. And the sharing of our possessions is a spiritual sacrifice. But here's the interesting thing about these sacrifices, and it was true of Old Testament sacrifices too, is that in and of themselves, these are very good things that we're supposed to be doing, but they're not quite good enough. But they don't need to be good enough. Right? These things that we're supposed to be giving up, that we're supposed to be giving of ourselves, don't need to be good enough. Why is that? They are made acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Right? So the fact that Jesus was sacrificed for us isn't just covering over our sin. He's taking the very good things that he has called us to do and commands us to do uh, and makes them perfect for us. We're going to go back to this uh, being built up as a spiritual house here in just a moment, okay? But let's move forward to verse 6. Verse 6, So it's, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Okay, now so for the first time in our study of 1 Peter here, we're going to have to go look somewhere else in our Bibles to figure out 
just what it is that Peter's talking about. Okay? So let's go somewhere. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 28, verses 14 through 22. Isaiah 28, verses 14 to 22. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. Okay, so who is Isaiah talking to here? Uh, people that rule in Jerusalem. Okay, now this is not a good time for God's people. All right? Uh, the prophet Isaiah is calling down a lot of judgment on God's people. Uh, and it's directed at everyone, although it's specifically here directed at the leaders of God's people, okay? And these people would be people that are in charge, lawmakers. Uh, young men that are training to be lawmakers, young men that are training to be priests, so on and so forth. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, through it will not come to us, for we have made lies, we have made lies our refuge and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Now, uh, Isaiah is speaking the very words of God here, but uh, he's, he's mocking them a little bit, okay? Uh, because what's happened is that God's people have started relying on someone other than God. They're relying on the nations around them. They're relying on uh, uh, rules that they've set up for themselves. And so God's saying, literally, it's almost like you've made a deal with the devil, Okay? You've made a deal with, with, uh, with Sheol. You've made a deal with death. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste, and I will make justice the line, the righteousness and righteousness the plumb line, and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it passes through, it will take you. For morning by morning, it will pass through by day and by night. And it will be sheer terror to understand the message. For the bed is too short to stretch oneself on. And the covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. For the Lord will rise up on the Mount uh, Perizim as in the valley of Gibeon. He will be roused to do his deed, strange is his deed, and to work his work, alien is his work. Now, therefore, do not scoff, lest your bonds be made strong, for I have heard a decree of destruction from the Lord God of hosts against the whole land. Okay, there's a lot happening there. And as you can take away from it, you don't have to understand everything, but you have to understand that this is very serious. But in the midst of that is a verse that Peter is quoting for us. 
A verse about a foundation and a stone that has been laid. And that anyone that is not building themselves upon this stone, that is not resting and relying upon this stone, they're going to miss out on something big. In fact, they will be judged. And then moving on to verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe. So in light of what we just read in Isaiah, Peter's saying, look, take away from this passage now that um, if you believe, there will be honor in it. And if you do not believe, there will be no honor in it. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to take us over to Psalm 118 real quick that we already read together. And just read again for us what we have already seen in verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And as we heard earlier in that passage, um, uh, the psalmist here is, is talking about God being a refuge. God being a Savior. Uh, And this stone uh, that we see in verse 22 has become the cornerstone. It has become the salvation for God's people to build themselves upon, to rest and rely upon. Okay, now that's all really interesting. Yes, we have reference Bibles, Wade. We could go back and look at all these passages. But here's something as well that we just need to look at. And why are we looking at Matthew? Um, this is what I love about reading through First and Second Peter. To know that everything that Peter is saying uh, was directly informed by a time in his life where he is walking next to Jesus, he's sleeping next to Jesus, he's eating next to Jesus. Uh, and so we see here then in Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46, uh, a very similar passage about judgment and about salvation. Hear another parable. Now this is Jesus speaking. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants. And he went into another country. And when the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent out servants, more than the first, and they did the same thing. And finally, he sent his son to them. All right, so that should be throwing up warning signs to us now. Uh, There's another father that sent a son. And they said to themselves, this is his heir. This is his son who's going to inherit everything. This is his heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their season. And Jesus said to them, You have never read in the Scriptures. Have you never read in the Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. 
Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who fails on this stone will be broken to pe- falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him up to be a prophet. Okay, you can go back to First Peter with me now. Uh, we just read a lot of heavy scripture, a lot of serious scripture. Um, but there's a couple things that we see happening in all these passages. Uh, we see exactly what we just saw. If I can get there, sorry. Back in verse 7, a comparison being made. So the, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe... Right? And if we continue on then in verse 7, we see that idea continued. Um, they will stumble. They will stumble because they disobey the word. Okay, so let's take a deep breath now. Um, and we need to try to tie together everything that we're reading here. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not really prepared to do this. I was talking to Pastor Tom this past week because now I've been sitting on this sermon for almost a month. And every time I open up my Bible, it gets more complex, okay? It's, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, but we need to tie it up. Look, already we've looked at two stones, Right? The first of those stones being a living stone, a cornerstone. We've heard that repeated over and over again tonight in song and now in the word. This cornerstone is Jesus. And then the other kind of stone is us. Let's go back to verse 5 for just a minute. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Okay, so this, this term house, it's the same word used in the Old Testament for temple. Christian, you and I are being built into God's new temple. Okay? Uh, the readers here in Asia Minor, Asia Minor were being built up into a new kind of temple. Now, they were aware of what the Jewish temple meant. They were aware of the significance of this. This is, in the Old Testament at least, up until Ezekiel, where God's spirit dwelled, where God himself dwelled. And now Peter is saying to you and to I, uh, not only is the Holy Spirit all already dwelling in us, but as we continue to mature and grow, and as we as the church all over, and then us as a church specifically, then too, we're being built up into a temple where God lives. We're also being built up into a holy priesthood. These priests who are continually going back to God. Right, Just as we saw in verse 4, as you come to him, we need to be coming to him all the time. Um, And then to offer the spiritual sacrifices, which we've already talked about. Okay, so there's a couple big ideas that we need to talk about too. 
I've emphasized enough that we are chosen, we are handpicked, um, we are elect exiles, right? Uh, and now there would be some that would be confused by that. They would be confused by that because in that, um, they would say, well, because we've been chosen, we can take a lot of pride in the fact that we are elect. No. No. Because who else was elect? Who else was elect? It still are. But in the specific passages that we've just read, there was a specific group of people that was also elect. And that was uh, the people that Jesus was talking to. They knew that they were elect. Back in Isaiah, they knew that they were elect. And they were relying on that. They said, you know what? We're going to do whatever we want, and there's going to be, God's going to use his big words, and he's going to say to us, yeah, judgment, blah, 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 blah. We're God's chosen people. Don't worry about it. We can live however we want to live. But that's exactly what Isaiah was saying we can't do. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying would bring judgment down upon us. When we start relying in the fact that we are chosen instead of relying on Jesus. Okay, so we're seeing some comparisons now. There's honor for those that believe, and there's dishonor and judgment for those that do not believe. We also see that for those that understand what it is to be handpicked, there is honor. And for those that don't understand and take advantage of it, there is dishonor and there is judgment. So there is no pride that we can take in being chosen. Just as Jesus was chosen and what happened to him, he was hung on a cross and died. He was beat. He suffered. Where is the pride in that? So there is no pride in being chosen, but there is responsibility. Uh, the Jews that were chosen, uh, there were Jews that were chosen, but they rejected this stone, this cornerstone. Um, this, it became a stumbling stone to them, which... As an aside, I was just reading a story recently about in Germany, there's all of these um, bronze bricks in different sidewalks and stuff that are higher than the bricks, the pavers in the rest of the sidewalks. And they're memorials to Jews that died during the Holocaust. And they're called stumbling stones. It sounds like a horrible thing, okay? <laughs> I would trip over them every single time. Okay, but that's exactly what Jesus has become. He's like a paver that's higher than all the other pavers. And we take advantage of this beautiful level sidewalk and bam, we're flat on our faces. Okay, Jesus has become a stumbling stone. Um, see, the Jews back in Isaiah and in Jesus' time were waiting on a savior, but they didn't know who he was when they met him. And Peter learned from Jesus from the very beginning that he always had the big picture in mind and maybe not the immediate picture, what was going to happen immediately or next. 
Uh, Jesus was always looking forward to what would be, not necessarily what was happening right now. So in the here and the now, Jesus could be overcome, right? Uh, He could be judged, and he could be beat, and he could be hung on a cross. But in the long term, he would never truly be overcome. And Christian, right now, for you and for me, know that sometimes it feels like our faith our bodies, our minds, our finances, all these things actually that we're supposed to be giving as spiritual sacrifices, uh, it feels like they're being overcome. And it feels like we're being torn and stretched further than what we need to be. But just like Jesus, take heart because we will not be overcome and we will be redeemed. So one of the things that um, I said earlier is that uh, there's great responsibility that comes with the fact, uh, this big idea of being chosen, of being handpicked. And um, I'm not trying to advertise here, okay, this is just a quote, (laughs) but uh, the reformer, Martin Luther, uh, said this, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. Okay, we could pick at that because it's not scripture and we could find lots of holes in it. I understand that. But the reason why he was saying that was for a very, he was making, attempting to make a very good point. And his point was this, um, God does not need our good, good works. Why? Uh, because he lived the perfect life that we could never live. We need no good works to justify ourselves. And this was what Martin Luther was fighting in his day. He was fighting the fact that everywhere around him, they were told that they needed to pay money to get rid of sin. They needed to do these good works to get rid of sin. They needed to basically do everything except rely on Jesus. This is a historical pattern. This is exactly what God's first people, Israel, were doing back in Isaiah and what they were doing when Jesus came, the passage that we read in Matthew. They were relying on their good works or their living up to some sort of godly standard to get them to where they needed to be, but that's not what's going to get us there. The second half of that, but your, day, your neighbor does need your, your good works, and that is to simply say this, that Jesus has freed us from doing work so that we can do work, okay? Jesus has freed us from doing good work to try to justify ourselves, to make ourselves right with God, so that we can do good work to share the good news with our neighbor, So as we read this passage and we get to the end of verse 8, and it's again stated that Jesus has become a rock of offense and a stumbling stone, as it were, we read this, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. We could go really deep into that. I'm not prepared to go really deep into that, and we don't need to. Why? A couple of reasons. The first of which is, uh, this is a promise of judgment here in verse 8. And 
from where I'm standing and from what I know about each of you in this room, um, you are resting in and relying upon Jesus. And this is not a judgment that is going to fall on you. But you know someone that this judgment is going to fall upon. That judgment that we read about, read about back in Isaiah, that judgment that we read about in Matthew, uh, the judgment that we read about in Psalm 118, which is the flip side of the salvation that the psalmist is receiving, that's falling on someone that you know. Or to say it as Jesus said it, that rock is falling on someone that you know and crushing them. So, as we study chapter 2 of 1 Peter here, um, this is a call to be who God already knows us to be, to be who Jesus has made us to be. It is a call to constantly be going back to Jesus, resting on him, relying on him. It is a call to do our priestly duties, not only in going back to God always, but to be sacrificing of ourselves, to be sacrificing of our bodies as the believers here were sacrificing, to be sacrificing in the small ways with our song, with our words, to be sacrificing by doing good and with sharing uh, sharing everything that we have with others. To be sacrificing by giving money for the good of the mission to which God has called us to. These are the spiritual sacrifices that we read about in Scripture. And our priestly duties include those spiritual sacrifices. But also, these verses call us to reach out to those around us that do not yet know Jesus as this cornerstone. Uh, This stone that is laid at the edge of a building to make sure that everything else is going to be level and stable for a very long time. We have to make sure that we are building ourselves on that rock as living rocks. We need to make sure that we are being built up into that temple, into that new house of worship, and that we are inviting others to come and be a part of this construction project, as it were. Just as we were called obedient children for obeying God's word and coming to Jesus in the first place, those that are not coming to Jesus here are called disobedient. They're disobeying God's word. And it is our mission to go out and preach the good news to those people. On what is both a lighter note and not really a lighter note at all, um, 
I don't know about you, but I would say at least once a week, the Jehovah's Witness come to my door. They do. And um, Tara's always amazed because I have a knack for getting rid of them in the nicest way possible. Okay. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. Uh, I see them now every day on my drive into the office, too. They're lined up on both sides of Main Road going into town. And it seems like every day I see uh, them becoming a more diverse group of people, which would be good, except for the only problem with that is they are a false religion that relies on good works and denies that Jesus is God. They're, they're being built up into a temple. They are dead rocks being built on a dead rock. So we read verse 7 and verse 8, and we need to remember that there are people around us that are dead rocks being built into a dead house. And as Jude says, if I could turn over to Jude real quick, uh, we shared this in smaller group this week. If I can remember where Jude is, then I will turn over to Jude real quick. In <laughs> uh, verses uh, 20 through 22. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. Jude here calls us to snatch unbelievers out of the fires of hell. To break this covenant that they have made with Sheol and with death and with Satan and with hell. And to snatch them out of those fires. The only way that I can leave a passage quite as heavy as that um, is to say that you are sent. It's to say that you are sent. And also to end our time in prayer. So let's do that, okay? Father God, we love you. We thank you for this time that we could come together and uh, study your word. Uh, Lord, we are honored to know that you are setting aside a group of people for yourself uh, that are to live worthy lives, sharing the good news with all that they come into contact with. And Lord, we are humbled by that. We are not proud of that. Uh, holding on to... Uh, a faith that we build up ourselves, but we are holding on to a faith that you have built up in us. We are holding on to um, the, the future promise of a uh, home and a life eternal spent with you that you have secured for us. And God, we look around and we, we mourn for those that do not know you. God, I pray that you would take, uh, um, take our hearts, that you would give us a desire to share the good news with those around us. Uh, Lord, 
there are so many lost people around us that we pass by every single day that come to my door and I very nicely wish them away. Lord, I pray that you will give us the words that we need, that you will give us the courage that we need to share the good news with those around us. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that um, he lived a life that we couldn't and died a death that we don't have to die so that now we can live the way that you desire for us to live. God, it's in his name that we thank you, that we praise you, and that we pray all of these things, Lord, and we will worship you and we will continue to give you praise when you uh, make these things real in our life. God, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.